Hello, Misfits. This is Kevin. And this is Kate. Welcome to Horrorwood. Like, I was kind of scared at first. Oh. You were very serious. This is a serious episode. I don't think I'm ready for it. Um, I don't think any of us are Ooh. or ever should be. Oh, God. I'm glad oh. you're covering this because I honestly don't know if I'm I could have. I had to detach a little bit yeah. from it because I was just like, this happened. Mm-hmm. And it seems like everybody involved is like just glossing over everything Ugh. still. Oh, wow. So. I'll get into it. Okay. Before we do that. Oh, oh we have Patreons. We have Patronian shout outs to do. Patreons. Patreonians, <laughs> eh? Uh, so, you know what? I didn't catch their last names. So, why don't you sing a song while I look up the names of the people? Okay. Frere Jacques Dorme. Ooh, French. Kate, the French come back hard in this story. <laughs> Oh, well, I bet they do. Way. Yeah, I bet they do. Uh, all my stories, like, I, I think I've attracted. I think you're it. manifesting I'm it. I'm manifesting this, and I just need to stop. I think you're right. Okay, so we have a few Patronians that joined us over the holiday Holidays. break, and we are going to shout them out right now. The first one is Leah. Punturi, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Oh my goodness, Leah, you're from Kentucky. So am I. <gasps> Hello. Uh, or Leah Punturi. Punturi. I'm going with Punturi. Leah P. And welcome, welcome to Leah. the Misfit Murdery. No, wait, this isn't a Patreon episode. But welcome to. Welcome to the club. Welcome to Extra Stories. Thanks welcome. for listening. Thanks for listening. And thanks for liking us. Yes, you're going to get some bonus content. Mm-hmm. So uh, we hope you enjoy. And then we have another Patronian to shout out, which I'm going to let you do this one. Sarah. Is that her name? Yeah, but that's not the one I thought you were going to do. <laughs> but yes, Sarah, who actually was an accomplice, has upgraded. upgraded so thank you yes. so much, Sarah. I believe it is Sarah Pearson Moyers Jordan. You know what? I'm going with that. Sarah Pearson Moyers Jordan. Welcome. I love all of those names. Thank you for upgrading. And now the one that I thought you were going to do, your roommate. Oh, hey, Spencer, you dumb <laughs> bitch. Welcome. Give me $20. <laughs> Also, when you go to Amazon to buy things on the TV when you're buying like episodes, make sure it's not my credit card. (gasps) So. Okay, well, maybe you need to have a discussion with your roommate there. Thank you, Spencer. I love you. (laughs) I'm just being an ass. Thank you, Spencer. And okay, I think that's everyone. Thank you for supporting us. And for our listeners who uh, are not paid subscribers but are still tuning in, thank you so much. And we hope you all had an amazing holiday break, and I hope it wasn't too stressful. This is our first episode back on it the is. regular feed. Yeah, the regular feed New Year. So, happy New Year, everybody. And we're starting off with a doozy. doozy. A doozy, doozy one. Today, I am covering none other than Hollywood 
icon or or not yeah i was gonna say roman polanski oh here we go yeah this is a, a crazy story. And it's interesting because I honestly never looked at this, like this story. Oh, okay. Before. I knew that he couldn't come to the U.S. I knew sure. he had done something, like some kind of assault charges. I didn't know the full scope of it. Mm. So I was actually interested to dive down the rabbit hole and look at this case from different angles. And it's been like a 40, it's a, like almost 50 year mm-hmm. debacle that's like still a thing. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this is the story of Roman Polanski and the 13 year old girl that he sexually assaulted. Ugh. Roman Polanski, as I said, has been a big name in Hollywood and he's a French uh, and Polish movie director, mainly Polish, but mm-hmm. he has dual citizenship in France and Poland. Mm-hmm. So you probably dad... already hate him because he's got that <sighs> French citizenship. Yeah. I it, that immediately. I almost turned off my computer. Anywho, he has won an Academy Award, two British Academy Film Awards, 10 Caesar Awards, two Golden Globes, along with the Golden Bear and a Palme d'Or. Aside from being a big name in the movie industry, his downfall occurred in 1977 when he was accused of raping 13-year-old Samantha Gailey. Hmm. That's what happened. We'll get into it more, but I want to dive into his past a little bit. Yeah. Just because it's really crazy what he kind of went through prior Ooh, I to becoming. I don't know anything about his fa- his background. Yeah, prior to becoming like a big movie person. Um so he a was a big movie person. <laughs> He's one of those big movies. He's people. one of the big movie people <laughs> making the silver screen making those, movies. Making the pictures. The pictures. <laughs> Give me twenty dollars. I don't know why I keep saying <laughs> that. Saying? I like it. Born Rajmund Roman Liebling on August 18th, 1933. We have the same birthday? August 18th. We're Oh, oh okay. no. I don't like this. Oh. In Paris. He just didn't roll. <laughs> Roman was born to Beulah and Reitzard Liebling. His father was a painter and manufacturer of sculptures. Uh, he was also Jewish and originally from Poland. Okay. His mother was originally born in Russia, where her own mother was Jewish, but she was raised in the Catholic faith. Okay. Polanski's parents returned to Krakow, Poland from France in 1936, when Roman was about three years old. Then two years later, Poland was invaded by Nazi Germany at the beginning of World War II. Mm. The Nuremberg Laws made the Polanski family targets because of their Jewish heritage. Right. The family ended up in the Krakow ghetto, along with thousands of other Jewish people in the city at the time. Mm. The persecution of Jewish people had fully begun as things became worse with the establishment of the concentration camps. And you said he was, what, three years old at the time? Well, he would be five years old now because when they they invaded, it was two years after they got back from France. Oh, I can't even imagine what a child... I don't... I can't I can't even imagine exactly. Yeah. I mean his past is storied and horrific. Mm-hmm. Polanski's father was transferred to Mauthausen, uh which was a group of 49 German concentration camps in Austria. Oh, wow. So they got his dad. Mm-hmm. And there's this this story that I read uh when I was doing the research that like 
he saw his father like in the line being like taken mm. away and was like gonna run up to him and be like and the dad was like stop it don't and like, oh wow get away oh um, ugh. His mother, oh, this is awful. His mother was taken to Auschwitz. Oh, my God. And killed in the gas chamber very soon after she arrived there. And she had been four months pregnant at the time. Oh, my God. This is, oof. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know any of this. Having, like, seen his movie, The Pianist, like, mm-hmm. I could see why he's so tied to that story and that history. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. I did but... see that one. Yeah. Um, Polanski was able to escape the Krakow ghetto in 1943 with the help of some Polish Roman Catholics okay. that were helping people out. What, did he have any other family? No, no, no. It was just them. Oh, man. Yeah, it was just them. I think everybody was just all over the place. Like, they had been in France. The dad was from Poland. I'm not sure if the dad was actually from Krakow, mm. but... Yikes. So Polanski started attending the Catholic Church and trying to learn how to be Catholic, like oh. learning all the rituals and all the sayings and all the teachings, which is a shit ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, that didn't really work out because a prayer a parish priest visiting the family questioned Polanski one on one and knew pretty quickly that he was not actually Catholic. Right. So he had to get out of there as a kid. Yeah. Like Ugh. he had to run. He had to flee and he went on the run in the Polish countryside until the war ended in 1945. How old was he when it ended? So in 1945, he was born in 1933. So he'd be 12 years old. Oh my, I just, he's lived four lifetimes in 12 years. Mm-hmm. Just, just having to fl- run around and not get caught and persecuted. I can't even fathom what that does to a child's brain yeah i don't know i mean i can't imagine i later in life he says he's an atheist he just gave up any kind of religious belief i mean i i get it a hundred percent his father his father was not killed though so that's something to celebrate and he was able to reunite with him oh good yeah and so they had a relationship okay good because when you said like obviously his dad was telling him to stay back because he didn't want them to take him right but to a five-year-old, he probably took that as like, oh, my dad doesn't want me. He's like pushing exactly. me back. Exactly. He was like, he didn't fully understand yeah. what was going on. So I'm glad that they had a relationship later. Yeah. And so they did. And his father passed away from cancer in 1984. Okay. He said in an interview uh, that I watched in a documentary, uh, which I'll mention later, that one of the first films he sno- saw growing up was Snow White, which influenced him a little bit to get into film. Hmm. And he said he had always wanted to be a director. He loved movies. That was yeah. like his escape like into right. the entertainment industry. Movies became an escape for Polanski, especially during and after the horrors he experienced during the Holocaust. Sure. Polanski went on to attend the National Film School in Lodz, which is the third largest city in Poland. Apologies okay. if I said that wrong. Lodz. That sounds great to Lodz. He took up acting around this time as well when he was at the Academy. And his directorial debut was in 1955 with a short film titled Rower. 
I'm sure it'd be Rower in whatever the language is, but that just means bicycle was his first okay. short movie. Uh, his first feature film was Knife in the Water, which really actually put him on the map. Oh, I've never with. even heard of it. I haven't either, um, but it was actually like a major commercial success, especially in the West as oh, well. Okay. So it earned Polanski his first Academy Award nomination for Best Foreign Language International. Oh, film. wow. Yeah. I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, I've heard really good things about it. It's a murder mystery. Ooh, I definitely want to look it up. I think it is. Oh. (laughs) I am going to just check real quick because I don't want to misspeak on this. Okay. A couple pick up a hitchhiker on the way to their yacht. Oh, that's a murder mystery. I can already tell you from the first sentence. A violent confrontation is inevitable is what it says in them. Don't be picking up hitchhikers, y'all. Lesson one. Yep. (laughs) Actually, lesson one, don't do murder. Lesson two. Don't pick up hitchhikers. Yes. And wear your sunscreen. Polanski continued to make films and eventually moved to Hollywood as his movies became more and more famous. Mm -hmm. He married actress Barbara Kwiatkowska-Lass in 1959, but the couple separated in 1961 and divorced the following year. It was not a quick marriage sounds like it was a quick marriage that's what i said no you said it was not a quick marriage. it was not a oh did i <laughs> keep that in okay <laughs> and i was like wait I, I, what's your definition I was so of a quick sure marriage? i said quick marriage and i was like what the fuck are you talking You're about like, why are you interrupting me <laughs> it was a quick marriage polanski met actress <laughs> sharon tate while mm-hmm. making the film The Fearless Vampire Killers, also known as The uh, Dance of the Vampires, okay, in 1967. So that was when they first met. Mm. They married soon after, but Tate would uh, be murdered by the Manson family on August 9th, 1969. And she, would, she was eight months pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. I bring that up just because of like what happened with his mother in the concentration camps she was also murdered mm. oh, while she was pregnant. Oh god, I didn't even think about that. You want to know something? I might have mentioned it when we did the episode on it, but when we went to Zach Bagan's The Haunted Museum in Vegas, they have Sharon Tate's <gasps> wedding dress. Are you serious? And they have video footage from the wedding. Oh my god. That was like the one thing when Matt and I saw it that like we just kind of stopped and stared cuz when you see the like the wedding and the party and everything happening and it's right next to the dress and you know that that dress was just feet away from her when she was when killed she was murdered it's just like it it does something to your brain it's just imagine. like a mind it's such fuck. a like a con- that connection of just yeah. being like connected to the reality of it almost yeah we're gonna we'll obviously dive oh, into that case absolutely but... and just to let listeners know i'm not gonna go into that much more at all We'll do it as a separate episode. But, Kate, the name Roman Polanski would come to mean so much more in the public eye. Sorry. Just the way you said it, you were like, but, Kate. It just made it sound like my name was but, Kate. It's like, what is that about? The name Roman Polanski would come to mean so much more in the public eye in 1977 when he would be accused of raping a 13-year-old girl. I watched this great documentary, which I'm going to recommend right now at the top, called Roman Polanski, Wanted and Desired. Mm. It came out in the early aughts uh, on HBO, and we'll include okay. it in the show notes, because it's on YouTube, and you can watch it for oh, free. Oh, okay. 
with ads. It's like one sure. of those. And then there's a couple follow-up documentaries that I looked over. I want to go back and watch them, but after I I found them after I had done the research. So I'm curious to see yeah. like, what they lay out. Anyway, one of the quotes that he said that I kind of want to start with before we get into all this stuff is like, he's talked about this extensively with Mm. the media and one of the things that he said in this documentary he wasn't interviewed but they pulled an interview and showed it in like as a clip in the documentary okay and he said i like young women i think most men do okay but 13 is not a woman that's a child right yep polanski had been asked to shoot photos of young girls from around the world for vogue oma magazine H-O-M-M-E-S, which means men's in French. It was the second time he had photographed the girl he was accused of assaulting, Samantha Jane Gailey. Now Geimer is her last name, her married name. And we're okay saying her name? Yeah. Okay. Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if, like, that was okay to say. No. I mean, she's... She's much older now, and she has a family, and she still talks about it to okay. this day. And she's even interviewed in that documentary. Oh, okay. With the mother's permission, on the day of the shoot, Samantha left alone with Polanski. He came and picked her up from her house. Okay. They ended up at Jack Nicholson's home yep. on Mulholland Drive. I think we briefly think mentioned, mentioned it in the before. Marlon Brando episodes. Yes, Nicholson was not home at the time. Right. Uh, He was on a ski trip in Colorado with his then girlfriend, Angelica Houston. Mm -hmm. There, he gave Samantha champagne and quaaludes. I'm, mm, okay. Yeah, and had sex with her. (sighs) He drove her home afterward. The next day, on March 11th, 1977, LAPD detectives apprehended Polanski outside of the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Great. Where they took him into custody. He was charged with the following counts. One, furnishing a controlled substance to a minor. Mm-hmm. Two, committing a lewd or lascivious act on a child. Mm-hmm. Three, unlawful sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. Four, rape by use of drugs. Five, perversion. Six, sodomy. My God. Yeah. What's kind of crazy about this is that Polanski didn't really perceive having intercourse with a 13-year-old as against the law. One of the... Tell me how old he was at the time. He was like 40. No, he was in his 40s. Oh, shit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Insane. It doesn't matter what age he was, but like just... I was just curious. No, but I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing that he just... I talk about it a little bit more, but it's like this weird cultural schism or divide or ideal around like you know age of consent and like having attraction toward you know younger people but how can she consent when she's a literal child and no she's i'm being not drugged? no i'm not bring, i'm not saying she i'm not saying she consented i'm just saying like there's different ideas around the world of what it means to be of consensual age because you said something about he didn't see anything wrong with it or whatever, right? No, and that's like that's almost like a cultural thing. But see, here's what I think. He obviously did think something was wrong with it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have felt the need to drug her and give her alcohol. So he knew that he was doing something wrong. Whether he stated later to cover sure. his ass that, you know, yeah. oh, culturally, this is acceptable for me, blah, blah. No, it isn't. Like, you knew you were being a fuck up and mm-hmm. you knew that you were 
doing something horrific to mm-hmm. a child because you had a drugger in mm-hmm. order to do it. Yep. One of the retired detectives perceived him as just being like, well, so what to them? And the media was completely split on how they viewed and reported this case. European media looked at him as like a tragic Holocaust survivor. Hmm. And then the American press looked at him as like this evil monster. Both can be true. Uh, Yeah, both can be true, which is why I brought up that, you know, the cultural aspects of it. Because I think the European media was focused on like, okay, well, look at this guy's storied past of like all this stuff that's happened to him. And oh, this is just another terrible thing that's happening to him. But it's not happening to him. He's the one that did the terrible thing. So one of his friends in the documentary said that if he hadn't been a controversial director whose wife's infamous murder was behind him, it would have been a completely different story. Were they trying to say like... That he was getting sympathy because of the Sharon I think Tate? so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was... They, that's what they were saying. Like, if he hadn't had all of this stuff behind him, then it would have been a different story from the get-go. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, defense attorney Douglas Dalton, who was defending Roman, was interviewed for the documentary, and I, he said this quote, which was great, and I had to write it down. People have the right to their own opinions of what happened, but they don't have the right to their own facts. And he's the defense attorney? hmm The facts are he drugged a girl, a child. It's just an interesting thing to say when, like, you're trying to defend this man and you're outright saying, like, yeah, you can't deny facts. They all shit the bet on this. And I'm going to get into it deeply. So here deeply. we go. Deeply. Doug was Doug Dalton was a master of negotiations that signaled that there would probably be a plea deal stuck struck like his whole thing like throughout his career he's handled big cases and usually gets to the plea deal before mm-hmm. the whole thing gets to like a full trial right Doug was very sound didn't raise his voice and often got what he bargained for the DA put Roger Gunson on the prosecution a 37 year old straight thinking Mormon Okay. The joke, this is gross, but the joking rumor in the DA's office at the time was they put him on the case because he was a Mormon and the only one that hadn't had sex with an underage girl. Wow. Isn't that, that's fucked up. Wow. Yeah. I'm so disgusted on so many levels. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm trying, I feel like I'm still trying to detach from the disgust because I already was so disgusted yeah. earlier. Like I said, I don't, I'm glad that you took this case because like, I don't think I'm going to No, I, I had to, to separate it because I was just like, this is really heavy and I really hate it. But please be disgusted for me. Because <laughs> I just, believe me, I'm I already am. Dis- I already got disgusted, y'all. Judge, so the judge who took this case was Judge Rittenband, uh, who was interested in celebrity cases generally i'm always leery of those kinds of judges this is where this is where it gets dicey because it's like the dominique dunn case that judge in that case loved celebrity he loved he thought of himself as kind of like a tom cruise kind of guy like he just was all about like the press and how he looked and if he was tan enough and like just crazy shit and yeah, you have to look out for those people. Similar. Oh, no. Similar. Uh, he became the judge on the case. He had handled the Cary Grant paternity suit, mm. the Priscilla and Elvis divorce. It's pretty the big. The Marlon, Bla- Marlon Brando custody dispute. Mm. 
and more. He acted like a tyrannical director in the courtroom. Great. That's what you want. (laughs) Yeah. The documentary I watched posited that he and Roman actually had a lot in common. He was friends with many different people in the movie industry. Written band loved champagne. He was known as the hammer because he was a tough judge and he, you know, even tougher sentencer, apparently. Um, If you didn't have a deal struck with him, you were in trouble, basically. Hmm. Also, I mean, the fact that this guy likes champagne, like it's kind of hurting my heart because like I love champagne. I love champagne too. And I don't like that. I don't like that we're tarnishing champagne. Let us take it out of it all together. Thank you. If you like champagne, you're not a dictator. Great. (laughs) Well, not necessarily. (laughs) Sometimes we just need a reminder. He had his bailiff keep a scrapbook of all the newspaper articles okay (laughs) we're keeping scrapbooks now my god about cases that he had that mentioned him he had a scrapbook so he'd like to the scrapbook and be like look i just imagine him like yeah sitting at home at night bringing a date over and being like oh what's this we should read together articles about him you (laughs) weird Yikes. People wanted to be in the courtroom during the Polanski case and written band was looking, was basically like booking those seats so people could be in the room. Wow. Um, Like was he hand choosing them? Yeah, essentially. He was like choosing, you know, including media and reporters from all over the world. So he was trying to select like, you know. How is that even allowed? Oh, I mean, this is the 70s in LA. We've talked a lot about this. (laughs) True. (laughs) And it's basically the Wild West. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, he was he was charged with these things. He was going to go to trial and the rape trial was uh, it kept being pushed off and rescheduled because of various Mm. issues and like there was a case that was going on prior to this case in that courtroom where Uh, they were going to have it and it was going longer than than it meant to be. So um, it was rescheduled for August 9th, 1977, which is eight years to the day of the murder of Sharon Tate. Oh, that's right. As soon as you said August 9th, I was like, why does that sound familiar? The media began basically hunting Samantha Gailey, Polanski's victim. Mm-hmm. She said that school was horrible. Oh, my God. The worst part was that no one believed her at the time. Her legal team wanted to try and, like, keep her name out of it because right. they didn't want her. Because she was get, a minor. But people found out. That's awful. Yeah. No one was protecting this girl. No, no one was protecting her. And the question, oh, my God, in this documentary, they go through, like, some of what the de- the defense was asking her, the mm. questions. Questions like, are you married to Roman Polanski? Oh, my God. Have you been drunk before? Uh, do you know what a climax is? Wow. Do you know what semen is? Wow. And you know what? No matter what her answers are to those questions, doesn't it doesn't have doesn't anything have to do with it. Doesn't, doesn't make a matter. difference. They treated her like garbage. They treated her like she was the one. She was the perpetrator. She did it. Right? Yeah. Uh, And to those questions, they were just like, please answer yes or no. Samantha says she just wanted to walk away from it, but you couldn't stop it once it started. She's talking about the the actual incident with Roman? She's just talking about the whole ordeal. Oh, okay. Like, she's like, once he was charged and once my name was out there, like, once it started, it didn't stop. And it hasn't stopped to Mm -hmm. this day. A lot of when I was doing research, like some people refer to her maiden name, but a lot of it refers to her as her her married name now, which is Geimer. Okay. So I'm going to probably stick with Geimer for most of the rest of this, okay. just so we're clear on who we're talking about. Got it. 
Geimer has said in interviews that she had begun to feel uncomfortable at the time of the assault when Polanski... When Polanski... Polanski, ew. When Polanski asked her to lie down on a bed. She said she just wasn't sure what to do and figured she would just get to come home after it. Oh, this poor girl. Geimer reiterated that the sex was not consensual, but Polanski had disputed that has disputed this, saying there had been some kind of chemistry between them. Gross. Nope, there hadn't been. Mm-hmm. And that it sort of just allegedly like just happened. Nope, you drugged her and got her drunk. Yep, that didn't just happen. You there were things that led up to that that were initiated by Roman Polanski. Yeah, you manipulated her and you abused her and you took advantage of her. Mm-hmm. And what's sad is that. She had shot photos with him before, yes? Once before. Without any incident? Without any incident. So so there was already like a little bit of a level of trust exactly. there, Exactly. And that's why the mom, I'm sure, felt... Yes. Well, yeah. And also the mom... Um, I'll get into... I talk about her a little bit more. The mom had known him through like mutual friends because the mom oh. was... The mom was in the entertainment industry like she had bit parts and like tv shows and movies i think Mm -hmm. and roman polanski was like a friend of a friend or something so makes it even that much more just like dig at you because this is she was just like yeah sure go for it like totally fine the prosecution gunson went to see polanski's movie chinatown Mm. and he said of the movie you know the whole theme of this is like corruption meeting innocence over water Forget about it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Is that from the movie? Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it. It was so interesting because like it was similar to the case. I liked how Gunson talked about the case in relation to like his movie. And he said like corruption, Polanski, meeting innocence, 13-year-old Samantha mm-hmm. over water, which she, he was photographing her in a jacuzzi at the time, like at oh. Jack Nicholson's place. So mm-hmm. these were pictures of her, like, in a jacuzzi, like, over water. I liked how he likened it to mm-hmm. that movie's themes. I thought it was interesting. Just wanted to put that out there. Roman had a very weird relationship with the press uh, because of how he was treated during the murder of his wife, Sharon Tate. And he said that he despised them for their inaccuracy and irresponsibility, as well as deliberate cruelty. What drives me crazy is like this man is just playing the victim and he's like, oh, the press has been after me and for years and, and I'm, I'm just this helpless little little man. man. Ugh. Yeah. No, no. So after the movie Chinatown, Polanski was like a real star. Like mm-hmm. he was Chinatown a star was before that, but that was like a big, big movie. And he was like the Roman Polanski mm-hmm. and a big name. So he had done a photo shoot for French Vogue with uh, Natasha Kinski, who was 15 uh, at the time. And he actually admitted to having an affair with her at the time oh my when God. she was 15 years old. Yeah. He admitted that in an interview in the 90s, I think, with Diane Sawyer. But He's yeah. Just- but a piece they were of like, shit all around. Well, he, they were like, well, she's 15. And he was like, so. Wow. Yeah. What a piece of garbage. Garbage. So Polanski had a reputation prior to the incident. A reputation? Like, what do you mean? So he had a reputation for being like a wild partier that was unpredictable and loved younger women. Mm. 
a lot of the women in the industry interviewed by the documentary I watched were saying, why the hell would her mother leave her alone with Roman Polanski if she knew who he was and what he liked? They were placing the blame on... Of course Sen- they were, because it's, it's always the woman's fault. It's always, you know... It's just disgusting. These, like, older women in Hollywood are, like, blaming the young girl again. Yeah. Like, I hate seeing that shit. I just listened to an episode on another podcast very similar to this where this poor girl has, like, been through it. Mm-hmm. And the man responsible got acquitted of everything like he was found not guilty of everything and he was horrific horrific and it's just like the whole trial they just like made it sound like everything was her fault and of course none of it was but it just drives me crazy it's disgusting i hated watching those women and they're interviewed in the documentary oh excuse me so at this time there had also been this public perception after he made Rosemary's baby that he was like in line with the devil uh which was a weird thing that people kind of oh, took weird. from that when that came out they're like oh it's a cult he's with the devil random okay that i mean during Rosemary's baby even though people were saying that he was deeply in love with Sharon and absolutely the toast of the industry during that time mm-hmm. cuz that movie was huge yeah and I, I have to say, like, separating the person from the art, right. I really love that movie. Mm-hmm. Mainly because people viewed his works as being so original. People were like, these are, like, stories that we wouldn't yeah. necessarily hear. Like, this is new at the time. How he kind of told stories was this sort of fresh interpretation on different things that people hadn't experienced mm-hmm. before. But there was another side that people just kind of knew about and didn't really flag you know cool thanks everyone thanks y'all it seemed the older uh, what i said it seemed the older women in hollywood who knew him didn't blame him they blamed the 13 year old girl and her mother that's so fucked up so back to the trial polanski well not really a trial because like it didn't go to like a full jury trial mm. um oh because they were looking for a plea deal right exactly so he pleaded at first pleaded not guilty to all of the charges And Samantha's lawyer, Lawrence Silver, wanted to protect her anonymity. I don't know why I'm talking like this. Anonymity. (laughs) I'm over-pronunciating words. But Kate. I like But Kate. (laughs) Roman. (laughs) Larry Silver, her lawyer, wanted to protect her anonymity and tried to persuade the prosecution uh, and the defense to consider moving just immediately to a plea bargain. Her lawyer wanted that? Her la- lawyer it. wanted a plea bargain too because it's like, we just need to get this taken yeah. care of. Because so she's a child the and they don't want to drag her through all and of that. And she's already being drugged through yeah. it. And he's just like, let's just end this. And the, even the, her family was just like, we got to get her out of this. Like, I mean, I, I get that. I I don't blame them for that. I don't either. But both sides both sides were strong in their idea of winning and denied the immediacy of like a plea bargain. So they didn't want to go to a plea bargain? I'm confused. What do you mean they denied the immediacy of a plea bargain? No, they both of them were like, no, we're going to win. No, we're going to win. Like bo- either side was saying they, they were going to win and they wanted to fight at it okay. and have a full trial. So the girl and Roman both wanted a trial. No, the lawyers wanted a trial, right? There's the DA prosecution who wants to prosecute um, Roman. Roman. Samantha's not on the prosecution team. And then there's the defense, who is the defense lawyer for Roman Polanski. And then there's Larry Silver, who's representing Samantha. Larry is the one at first who was like, plea deal immediately. Need to get her out of it. 
the prosecution and the defense were like, no, we're going to okay. fight this out. Does okay. that make sense? Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. No, no worries. They started building a case, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, this is also gross. I'm really sorry. But a piece of evidence was entered. The pair of Samantha's underwear. I knew you were going to say that. That she was wearing during the attack. And do you know what the judge did? Because either party didn't know that this evidence existed. He said, well, you can each have half. And in the courtroom, they cut her underwear in half and gave a piece to each side to examine. What? How is that even okay? Here's some evidence. Just like, let's just rip it apart. They did it right there in the courtroom. Wow. Was she there? Was Samantha there when that occurred? I don't believe she was. I I don't know for sure, but I think they tried to keep her away from the courtroom. It sounds like she did have to get up there and talk because they asked her questions. The defense knew that Gunson, who's the prosecutioner, was Mm -hmm. going to probably send that to a lab to see if there was like stuff on it. Mm -hmm. DNA evidence isn't a thing during this time, but I'm sure you can recognize whatever might be there. And Roman knew that this was going to be incriminating evidence Mm. and that his best option would, at this point, he's now realizing, I think probably a plea bargain is going to be the better deal, Mm. right? Because he's like, let's just not, because, oh, I'm caught. You know, like, oh, they're going to find something. He's like, oh, shit. Well, now let me go to the next best Right. Like, let me get a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly like that. (laughs) So the only charge that he was willing to like plead guilty to or admit to was uh, that he had consensual sex with a minor. Non-consensual is what you're saying, right? So the charge that he... So let me... That's my next sentence, oh, okay. actually. Unlawful sexual intercourse was the charge he was going to plead guilty to. Oh, okay. Just note that that doesn't say anything about sex with a minor. Right. It is unlawful, but in that charge on its own... I don't hear a rape or a, you know, a minor thing. Unlawful sexual intercourse. That'll come back. Okay. Unlawful sexual intercourse was the charge he was going to plead guilty to. Polanski would plead guilty and be sentenced based on the probation report and the argument of the counsel. So at the time, sentencing for this specific charge was labeled as indeterminate. Hmm. And that meant it could be six months to 50 years okay which you know that's what the judge could give essentially like that's like the max or whatever this would avoid polanski going to trial Mm -hmm. like just pleading guilty to this and he did so he admits in court that he knew she was 13 and underage judge rittenband accepted the plea and sent him for psychoanalytical review okay but the thing was no one knew what that sentence could carry if he got when he got gets charged and they started kind of speculating more in the documentary mm-hmm. it could have been 1 year in state prison 50 years in federal prison just probation yeah it's all over the place polanski was evaluated by psychiatrists who said he was congenial reserved and straightforward he has a lot of trauma and doesn't know a stable relationship stemming from his childhood feel bad for the child not the adult right The psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Ronald Markham, came to the conclusion that Polanski was not a mentally disordered sex offender and should not be handled as such, which paralleled the idea of the probation department. So Judge Rittenband knew that whatever sentence he gave him would be appealed. 
Like he was mm-hmm. going to appeal anything right. that they threw at him to keep it going and try to get out of it. Sure. He thought they would take it all the way to the Supreme Court because Polanski had money. Oh. The judge didn't really know what to do with Polanski and was asking everyone around him what he should do. What? You were the judge, <laughs> sir. You've got one job. You have one job. Wow. He's like, what do I do about this Polanski guy? He's like sitting there with his champagne, (laughs) looking at his scrapbook. He's like, what does one do? What do I do with this? He calls up a friend. He phones a friend. Right. Lifeline. The judge and his team came to the conclusion that they could sentence, consider sentencing him to a 12.03.03 for a defendant in a felony case, which is. Okay. I'm not. Could you imagine if I just said that and, like and then threw moved that on? out? <laughs> I'm like, Kevin, I'm gonna need you to rewind. And I'm like, you're gonna, you're all just gonna have to look it up. No, I looked it up. It's a 90 day psychiatric diagnostic study observation for an in depth report. Oh, okay. So it's not a sentence, but he can't appeal it. Is the thing. But it's only 90 days. Yeah. It's 90 days in a prison being evaluated, but, you know, by psychologists, essentially. So basically, you just have like a little three month. Three month stint in prison. Yep. For raping a child and changing her entire life. Yes. Great job. Polanski's team felt good about this. The charges were reduced to the one count. Of unlawful sexual intercourse. I was just saying, of course Polanski's team felt good about it. Right. He's getting away with everything. Right. And the sentence recommendation was probate, just probation, essentially. Wow. Um, but written ban called Dalton and Gunson, the prosecution and the defense, mm-hmm. to his chambers for a meeting. Written band said that he wasn't going to follow the recommendation of the court. He was going to send him to state prison at Chino for the diagnostic study. The judge brought them in and said, I'm going to do this 12.0303 thing. And it's just going to be like a probationary 90 day thing in a prison where he's just being evaluated. Mm-hmm. And the pro- but the, pro- the prosecution and the probation. <laughs> I could see it coming too. I thought my <laughs> eyes check out. I saw it happening to you right before my very eyes. I'm going to take a drink of water. Okay, me too. I don't know what's happening. You're melting down. No. The the, the espresso wore off. Not your tr- venti triple Not my venti triple $500 espresso. <laughs> God. I have like coffee beans just like, shooting out of my okay, mouth. Okay, <laughs> I have to tell you something. So when I was driving back here from Kentucky, yeah. I had a bag of food, like my little road snacks, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? And... Matt's brother had given us some popcorn, like caramel chocolate covered popcorn. It was like in a little brown bag, you know. And so I'm driving. And so I just reach in and I under the thing and I stick my hand in and I get a handful. And I was like, pop it in my mouth. And I was like, oh, these pieces are like a lot smaller. Maybe they're just like weird crumbs of the popcorn. And then I realized that I accidentally grabbed a bag of coffee beans. And I had just... (laughs) Put an entire handful of coffee beans in my mouth. But oh I was driving, and it's not like I had anywhere to spit them out. So I just chewed them You chewed up on the coffee beans? And swallowed them. Weren't they hard? They were so crunchy and gross, but like, what was I supposed to do? I was on the freeway. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, did, where, did you feel like, did you get a caffeine yes, burst? Yes, I was like, oh my 
and Kate's I'm, going like 120. She's, she's like, like yeah, gotta get there. I gotta, I gotta get there. <laughs> she's like, I made it home in three hours. Oh my god. I was saying that Polanski's team felt good. The charges were reduced to one count. But yeah, he called the judge written band called in Dalton and Gunson to his chambers to say, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do the 12-3-3 thing. And the prosecution and probation officer said that that was not meant to be used as a punishment. Like, I see. that thing that you're trying, you're giving him. Like, it's not a real it's sentence. It's not a real sentence, and it's not, like, a real punishment. This is for, like, felony cases where... You're like, this person really needs to be evaluated mm-hmm. for a long period of time. And especially because he was evaluated. He was already psychiatrically process. evaluated. And, and they were they like, were yeah, like, he's fine. They were like, yeah, he should, you know, he's not, he knew what he did. He exactly. Was a sex offender. But they were recommending, like, oh, probation. Wow. So, anyway, Written Band rebutted that he didn't want to be responsible if Polanski was injured or killed in prison. So, Mr. Champagne Scrapbook. Was like, well, I'm just going to put him in this 90-day thing because if he goes to prison and someone hurts him, like, that's going to make me look bad. Yes, exactly. And in the middle of this all is a young girl who had to endure this horrific incident and then everything that came after that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Polanski was directing a film called Hurricane at the time. And his defense attorney asked the judge if he could put this diagnostic study off for a bit so he could complete the movie, which would take... Okay. Literally every every sentence you say makes me matter. I know. I know. You guys, he's like... A really cool director, and like he's he just wants to his movie he just before wants to, like, he goes away for ninety do days. Do his movie, so like, can we just like hold off on the whole punishment thing? That's not really a punishment, and that would take a year for him to complete. Of course. That <laughs> so he, the judge was like, "Okay, but you need to. The defense needs to request an extension every ninety days, and be granted that extension by moi." Okay. And why would he do that, Kate? So it would look good to the press. For his scrapbook. And his scrapbook. Because <laughs> if the press is looking good, Judge Rittenband is looking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judge Rittenband tried to orchestrate how this would go down. He told the prosecution, go out there and say that you want him to be taken into custody. And then to the defense, go out there and argue for probation. Okay. I'm almost to, to the end of the paragraph. I <laughs> think <laughs> so many feelings. I'll then make my determination, which is what we all just talked about. So if you don't tell the press what you're, we're actually doing here. Okay. And he gets a good report from that diagnostic study at Chino for the 90 days, which he probably will because he already did. Yeah. That's just going to be the end of his punishment. Ugh. And his defense was like not going to protest that. Well, of course not. They were like, sure, great. <laughs> like, that sounds great. Fine, awesome. It. Thanks, Judge Written Band. <laughs> Here's some champagne. So this is what's interesting also about the F- Samantha's family and Samantha. Mm-hmm. Because this family of Samantha actually asked that the film director not be incarcerated at first. Oh, interesting. They were like, I think because Samantha was undergoing so much scrutiny by the press. Again, it was that thing of like, whatever you do, just fucking end it. Like, mm-hmm. don't put him in prison. Fine. Then I won't be like, I won't be the bad person. Yeah. That's a, another thing is because of the height of his popularity to be the girl at the center of it all who 
I'm going to say that brings him down, but he brought himself down. So it's like not her, you know what I'm saying? But what this girl was going through, I can't can't imagine. Polanski was free to leave the country and take other work under the terms of that extended probationary period. So Dino De Laurentiis, a film producer, Mm -hmm. uh, saw a chance to get Roman on board for a remake of Hurricane. And he jumped at it. Polanski was having some trouble getting hired. Oh, really? At the time. No shit. The fact that this De Laurentiis is like... He's jumping on because he can yeah. get a big name director. I don't. I think that kind of speaks so to his. So shitty. Yeah. So Polanski did leave the country like at this time, and this wasn't like the final thing, mm-hmm. which we'll get to. But uh, he was in Munich, Germany, to meet with a film distributor, and photos surfaced of him sitting between two young girls at an Oktoberfest celebration. Oh my god! Because he can't stop. Right. Oh, sorry, that's Frankie scratching oh, at the door. Me. I was I like, know. no. <laughs> Roman. He's still alive. Yeah. Judge Rittenband saw this and was furious. Uh, yeah. Um, he's like, why is he out there having a great time? Um, Because you let him. Right. <laughs> what did you expect? He should be working and like taking things seriously. The judge ordered Polanski to return to the U.S. He's like, get your ass back here. Okay. The judge eventually did find out that he was there on business and Judge Rittenband was embarrassed by the Oktoberfest scandal because he was like, oh, you were working. No, he, he, okay. <laughs> men, what, old white men in the 70s. Yikes. We should do a drinking game of how many times you say yikes. Do I yikes. say yikes a lot? Yeah. I love it. It's my favorite term. I wake up in the morning and scream, yikes. yikes! I just wake up and look in the mirror and I go, Yikes. I do have a giant honking zit dead center right between my eyes. I see it. (laughs) See? I'm wearing makeup right now because I have so many zits on my nose right now that I was like, I can't let Kate just stare at these. It's like pizza (laughs) nose. So we had to take a brief pause because Frankie kept scratching at the closet door. And so now we're just trying to figure out what to do with her. Here we go. Okay, we'll try it. I like this for the rest of the story. <laughs> so as I was saying, Judge Rittenband was embarrassed by this whole scandal. He's like, it makes me look bad. So he refused to grant any more stays on the probation. Okay. From this. And was and ordered Polanski to go directly to Chino for the three-month study. Okay. He was like, get your ass back here. Go to Chino. At least he's trying to do something Something these days. right for once. He was t- So Polanski was taken to Chino for the study and admitted. Okay. The staff there was worried for his safety, so he was given some protection and spent his days preparing for the hurricane movie. I mean, when you're a child abuser, you don't do well in you prison. You don't do well in prison. And that's what I that was actually my next sentence, Kate. Chino was a dangerous place where murderers are housed and people who commit crimes against children are often taken care of mm-hmm. in prisons. Take a deep breath. Oh no, Kevin, what are you going to tell me? After 42 days in Chino... I am going to throw my computer at you. Prison authorities let Polanski out. I hate everyone there. And of course, again, the psychiatric study recommended probation for Polanski. Ugh. People were pretty pissed that he only spent 42 days in custody. And this was going to be very embarrassing to the judge. And he does not like to be embarrassed. Judge Rittenband was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) And he called the study a whitewash because he was getting too much criticism. 42 days was not enough time in custody. He somehow needs to make up those additional 48 days. 
Gunnison said, how about you just send him to county jail for 48 days? Okay. Written band said no (laughs) to that because a prison sentence needs to be maintained. What do you mean by that? I think he's saying he shouldn't be taken out of prison and put in a county jail. He should be put back in a prison. Written band wanted to make it seem that Polanski was going to be serving a longer sentence than he actually was. So he wanted to make the media think that he was going to like get the book thrown at him when he's not actually getting the book thrown at him. All the defense Dalton had to do was just trust the judge in this instance. He was going to have him serve the 48 days in some way, Mm -hmm. but it would appear longer to the general public through the media, through what they told the media. I see. Polanski would then need to waive his deportation rights and be deported right after serving that 48 days. Deported to where? Back to Europe. Okay. France or Poland. This totally wasn't a legal thing for Judge Rittenband to do, though. Like, you can't, he couldn't just have him do that and deport him. Like, that wasn't really under his purview, I think. Mm -hmm. Dalton said he wanted a sentencing hearing. And Judge Rittenband said, well, if you want that and you want to do keep doing this, then, you know, the deal that I just put forward, maybe I'm not going to keep my word to. Okay. After this meeting with the judge, Dalton and Gunson were both at their wit's end. I'm at my wit's end. Yeah. I'm not even there. Neither of them wanted to participate in this anymore. Uh, Dalton asked Gunson if he could trust the judge, and Gunson said, I don't know why not. You trusted him once. I mean, yeah. Dalton wanted to go for the sentencing hearing, but after consulting with Polanski, noted that he probably could not trust the judge to stick to his word. Mm. So that, yeah, Judge Rittenband was just going to be like, I will just do something with him for the 48 days, and then he needs to like get out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. But I want the media to think that this is going to be a heavier, a harsher right. punishment. And the guy was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, why don't we just have a sentencing hearing and like, why don't we just sentence him like we, we should have in the first place? Why don't we just do the hearing and you lay it out there? Yeah. Rather than like this deal made behind closed doors with the two lawyers. And that's when, that's when Polanski fled the country on January 31st, 1978. He called his attorney and told him he would not be at the sentencing hearing. <laughs> okay. Uh, he flew to London and then to Paris the next day. Of course. Paris, Kevin. Paris. Take a breath. Polanski is has Polish and French dual citizenship mm-hmm. and is protected from extradition back to the United States when he's living in France. Mm. The extradition treaty with France specified two things that made it difficult for him to be sent back to the U.S. Number one, this is where the charges. The charge that we talked about of unlawful sexual intercourse. The charge would need to be rape, which it was not. Ah. It was unlawful sexual intercourse. And two, the treaty concerned French citizens. So it was up to France whether they would even consider doing it. Mm -hmm. They were like, this is a French citizen. And the law isn't, that treaty is like, if it's not rape, then you don't need to go back. Yeah, the wording matters. Wording matters. And in this case, it really did. Judge Rittenband held a press conference. Of course Which he was did. unheard of. And in the documentary, you see him at his little judge table with a bunch of microphones. His little judge table. <laughs> the bench or whatever they call it. I don't know. <laughs> He's at his little judge He's table. At his little judge table. <laughs> saying all the words. With some champagne. 
I can't tell you how much I want champagne right now. We've talked too, about actually. it so much. Delicious. Yeah, so Judge Rittenband held a press conference. In that conference, he said he would sentence Polanski in absentia, which means he's just not there. <laughs> Defense Dalton <laughs> filed a statement of disqualification of a judge for all this mess. I Yeah, <laughs> This judge is a fucking mess. There was really nothing he could do but step aside from the case at this point. Yeah. Uh, so he the was, judge. Yeah, the judge. Yeah. He was removed from the Polanski case on February twenty fourth, nineteen seventy eight. I just imagine him being pulled away from his little judge's his table. little judge table. <laughs> he uh, and never admitted any wrongdoing. <laughs> Great. Yes. And he died at the age of eighty eight in nineteen ninety three. Even Gunson, the prosecution, was like, he was. He said that he wasn't surprised that Polanski left the country. Well, of course He's not. like, yeah, of course he did. Yeah. Like, you have this judge who, like, can't make up a thing and is trying to, like, finagle things behind yeah. closed doors. And then can't, uh, you know, come to an agreement and the lawyers can't trust him. And then Polanski sees all this and is like, well, fuck this. I'm he also, gone. He also knows, like, he might have to actually go through an actual hearing. Because right, they couldn't. So he found a loophole and was like, I can just leave. He can just go. Yeah. And go to France and be okay. And Polanski never returned to the U.S. Bye. Never. He rebuilt his life in France. He is desired in France and wanted in the United States. Like, they love him there. We don't like him here. Sorry, my nose got crazy all of a sudden. My nose got crazy. I just can't sleep. <laughs> I was going to say, I just can't breathe. <laughs> oh, that would have been better. Next time. If he ever returns to the States, he will be immediately arrested. Yeah, of course. In 1997, Polanski tried to work on a deal with the DA's office in Los to return to Los Angeles. Mm. Um, essentially, he would be arrested at the airport on arrival, then be sentenced to time served, and then released. However, the judge that Gunson and Dalton were working with said that he wanted to have the sentencing trial televised. Why? I think we have another... LA judge on our it hands sounds like who it. wants some media attention. Yeah. And that was the condition. Like he'll come back, he'll get arrested, he'll come to trial, but then we're going to put that trial on TV. That's the only caveat. Like Oh wow. It was a weird request and it feels like legal people were just jumping at the opportunity to get themselves in the spotlight. Yeah. In 1988, Geimer, Samantha, mm -hmm. sued Polanski separately. Okay. Alleging sexual assault, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and seduction. Mm -hmm. This was settled out of court in 1993. I hope she got some money. We've talked about lawsuits, and and I know your feelings on them, but sometimes no, no, I'm no. Like, I, this is in the in, this is an instance where I agree. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? Get something. Well, Get something thing, to pay though. for your therapy that you're probably having to go through. Here's the thing, though. Kate. Shut up, here's Kevin. I don't like your face right now. Polanski misses the payment deadline. Oh my god! <laughs> of October 1995, Geimer then filed papers with the court trying to get at least five hundred thousand dollars out of him okay the court held up that polanski still owed her over six hundred thousand dollars all right i couldn't find if she ever received this payment from mm. him. i don't know if it actually happened okay i want to assume yes i want to assume yes but i couldn't find it this case is far from being forgotten that was so dramatic. Thank you. There have been several occurrences over the years, including Polanski being seized in Switzerland on September 26, 2009. Mm. At this point, there's a whole other documentary about 
the Switzerland thing. I don't want to say it didn't seem as important. It just, we can summarize what happened with Switzerland pretty okay. easily. So if you want to find out more about it, follow the YouTube links, which we'll put in the show notes. Great. Polanski was to attend the Zurich Film Festival to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award. A Lifetime Achievement Award. All right. But L.A. County authorities decided it was an opportunity to seize him because that country didn't have like that strict extradition. Mm, Yeah. So he literally got off the plane and a Swiss official armed with a U.S. arrest warrant took him right into custody. (gasps) Amazing. The U.S. had 60 days from that arrest to file a written request for Polanski to be sent back to Los Angeles. Okay. But on the other side of this, Polanski would need to just agree to go back to the U.S. Like, he would need to not appeal it. He would just need to be like, fine, okay, Okay. you got me. But he didn't do that. Well, of course not. Right. So if he didn't, he would have to go through Switzerland's legal system which is, it seems like a very intense okay. process, just, oh, okay. let's say, which would take a long time because he would be able to submit multiple appeals, oh. like just keep appealing the decision. So France and Poland were going to jointly appeal to Switzerland and the U.S. Secretary of State at the time, Hillary Clinton, to release Polanski from Switzerland. He was jailed there for two months. More than he ever served in L.A. Then Polanski hired several like highbrow attorneys in the U.S. to work on this. Mm-hmm. So he was in prison in Switzerland for two months. He They finally granted him an appeal after denying several appeals mm-hmm. with the understanding that he would pay $4.5 million and then be on house arrest in Switzerland for six months. Five years after this occurrence... Polanski was attending the opening of a Holocaust museum in Poland that was honoring the victims, including Polanski's mother. He was briefly detained by Polish authorities for the for the crimes, like which is weird to me because like Poland and France were at working at one point to get him out. But then he goes to Poland. I don't know if something had changed on the with the laws in Poland at this time. Okay. But they detained him quickly. Um and there was a Polish lawyer who was like, "No, we need to persecute. Like we need to get him on wow. this finally." Okay. However, Polish authorities refused to extradite Polanski back to the United States because they thought that the LA court had not provided him with a proper trial. So it seems kind of like a misguided attempt at some kind of justice. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, they were like, well, let's let's get him. He's here. Uh, it also seems like each France. country is just trying to have their way with him. Right. I think exactly. France is like, do what you want, whatever. Don't give a shit. Of course. <laughs> and then Poland comes in for a second in 20, I think this was 2015. Oh, wow. That's recent. Uh, yeah. And was like. Uh, no, you're wanted. But then they were like, well, we won't send you back, though, because we think the L.A., we think Los Angeles is just, like, fucked up their shit. Right. When this happened 40 years ago. I'm not saying that time heals anything about this. Sure, I'm sure. just saying, like, the time difference is expansive. Yeah. The documentary I went into detail about, the Roman Polanski Wanted and Desired, it's kind of showing you, I don't think people knew how badly mishandled yeah, the case I had didn't. Been. And this, when this this documentary came out, which was produced by HBO, mm-hmm. and it showed this opposite side of how kind of everything was mishandled at the beginning, 
and it renewed kind of a mass mass interest in this case and with Roman. Yeah. And Polanski's lawyers jumped at this and filed for a dismissal of the case. Okay. Um, this is such a clusterfuck. Isn't it? I mean, this whole like no, trial. No, no, no. This whole thing is. Yeah. The, the whole process. No one can just do something to put it to bed. Like, yeah, it just it's on. It's been ongoing since, you know. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. They filed for a dismissal, but that wasn't granted. In 2017, Geimer filed papers on behalf of Polanski, stating that she wanted the case dropped and okay. blamed the prosecution for bringing up the assault again. Because she probably is trying to move on with yeah, her fucking exactly. life. She just wanted it to be over. Geimer is now a mother of three grown sons. She stated that it was a 40-year sentence for the both of them. Oh. There's another documentary about this case called Roman Polanski, a film memoir, where the director publicly apologizes to Geimer, saying, quote, she is a double victim, my victim and a victim of the press. Well, I mean, at least he finally admits he admitted that. admitted yeah. She was his victim. On August 17th, 2017, Los Angeles. What's what happening to you? What's happening? I don't know. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. That's how I actually talk. I'm just trying to hide it. You've been doing a great job. Thank you. All these years. No. Oh, thank you. All right. So on August 17th, 2017, Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Scott Gordon requested the request from Samantha Geimer to dismiss the case. Uh, the judge found that there was misconduct in the trial, uh-huh. but Polanski would need to return to the U.S. before a court could even consider Ugh. dismissing the charges. What? The topic is certainly a heated one, with Hollywood still trying to decide how they feel about it. Famous actors, directors, and producers have stood by the filmmaker throughout this and mm. worked with him, but it seems like that's beginning to change, especially with the downfall of Harvey Weinstein. I was going to say, I'm sure the Me Too movement is making a big, bigger impact on this. Yeah. So it seems like a whole lot of people are starting to change their tune. Good. Because there were a lot of people that stood by him. Because people suck. A lot of famous actors. Yeah. When I was looking at those accounts from those people mm-hmm. who were still pro him and backing him and everything a lot of them talked a lot about separating doing the art, the from art the form from the artist mm-hmm. so there i think there is a discussion to be had about that because i think i think we're getting into a a period in our society where we're, we're pushing them closer together and that what you do in your personal life and what you do and how you act and what you think and what you believe is a hundred percent influential of the art that you create and you make, right? You're, you're embedded in that regardless of anything. There is a book called Monster about this very subject, about separating the art from the artist. The same thing here. Like we have these amazing movies that even I, you know, the ones that I've seen will admit, I thought they were wonderful pieces of art and film. So I think, you know, I think it's a slippery slope. I don't necessarily know that in that instance I would fault someone at the time they made that decision culturally Mm -hmm. because we weren't super attuned to calling people out. I can see both sides of it is what I'm trying to say. 
That being said, though, there are other victims that came forward against Polanski with sexual assault allegations. Oh, my God. These are alleged. I'm just going to say that now. These are, are not tried. These are not investigated. These are people who came forward and talked about it. I don't think it's gone anywhere, though. So, hmm. allegedly. Okay. In 2010, British actress Charlotte Lewis said that Polanski forced himself on her in his apartment in Paris in 1983 when she was 16. She said that she had met the director at his apartment because she was working as a model at the time, and there was the potential of getting cast in one of his upcoming films. Another woman, only identified as Robin M., came forward that Polanski sexually victimized her when she was 16 in 1973 in Southern California. She came forward when there was talk of dismissing the criminal charges against Polanski because it infuriated her. Mm. Another woman, Renata Langer, 61 years old from Germany, reported to Swiss police that Polanski allegedly raped her several times when she was 15 years old. Oh, my God. Langer is a former model and actress. When that happened at the time, she told her boyfriend but did not report it to anyone else because she feared how her parents would react. Langer met the director when she was working as a model. And he invited her to his home in Gstaad, Switzerland in 1972 because he was considering her for a film role. Yeah, it's not sounding good for old Roman there. No. And again, I just I want to reiterate that these assaults that I've just detailed haven't been investigated thoroughly and are just alleged claims. I wonder why they haven't been investigated. I don't know. I found articles about them, but maybe they are being investigated, Hmm. but we just don't know about. I don't know. I just want to, which is why I'm just saying allegedly. Yeah. So Polanski won an Oscar in 2003 for his 2002 movie, The Pianist, which starred Adrian Brody. Again, amazing movie. I get it. However, in May 2018, Polanski was expelled by the Academy because of the longstanding criminal case against him. Mm. He sued the Academy. Really? For this, stating that he was denied due process when they expelled him. Uh, And this was allegedly stated under a code of conduct that was drawn up in response to all of the sexual misconduct allegations men were facing in the entertainment industry. I love when it's like he's clearly guilty of raping a child and he finds out there's going to be a hearing. He's like, gotta go, gotta go to Paris. And then when he is kicked out of the academy he's like well i didn't get a fair hearing about this we gotta go back to this love it love an old white man with power there you go i'm being facetious in case anyone actually thinks i love an old white man with oh my gosh (laughs) someone's like what (laughs) polanski lost this case and the court confirmed that the academy's procedures were fair and reasonable great Bill Cosby was also expelled from the Academy at the same time as Bye. Polanski. Yep. Bye, Bill. Polanski is currently 90 years old and still working in the film industry. He's currently married to Emanuele Singer, who he wed in 1989, and whom he has two children with. Get, I had to come in right at the end with one final What are you going to tell me? Face. In a recent interview with France's Le Pont magazine, Singer interviewed... Samantha Geimer. Singer? Emmanuel? Emmanuel. Uh, okay. In 2023. Oh, wow. I'm going to need a transcript of that interview. Uh, well, I have some quotes. Okay. She had this to say, which is translated. Let me be very clear. What happened with Polanski was never a big problem for me. This is Emmanuel talking? No, this is Geimer talking. This is Samantha. 
Quote, I didn't even know it was illegal that someone could be arrested for it. I was fine. I'm still fine. The fact that we've made this a big deal weighs on me terribly. To have to constantly repeat that it wasn't a big deal, it's a terrible burden. I don't fault her for saying that. I, I don't totally but understand time, like, why she your would. abuser's wife is interviewing you and you're like, it's fine. You're in a corner. Yeah. Of course you're going to. You're. I mean, I wonder why she even went went through. I was going to say, I wonder interview. how this interview even came about. Right. There's a picture from this article with Emanuele's arm around Geimer. I'm not sure how to feel about this. Uh, Geimer says Polanski has apologized to her profusely. She's saying that he apologized to her, but she's also said that he definitely raped her. Yeah, he did. I think it's a really interesting look at grief, the media, and forgiveness. Like those three things kind of triangulated. I can't imagine the whole ordeal has been an easy one, especially being a victim of sexual assault. I mean... And where do you draw the line on somebody? It's just, it's baffling to me at this point. I understand that it's so many years later, Mm -hmm. but like these people are still being interviewed. We're still talking about it. It's still a thing. Yeah. Well, because justice was never actually served. Justice is actually served so no one can leave it alone. Exactly. It just still feels like this open thing that's hanging out there. Right. So his latest movie was The Palace. It was released last year in 2023. Didn't seem to get very good reviews. In 2022, sealed transcripts from the court case back in the late 70s were finally unsealed and validated the claims made in the documentary that Judge Rittenband screwed the pooch on everything. Mm. What gets me is that he raped a child, essentially got away with it despite all of the drama over the last 45 years or so. And... I just want to say this as well, because this is a callback to our podcast and things that we've covered. But in 1971, Polanski adapted Macbeth and do with that what you will. And that is the (laughs) story of Roman Polanski, Samantha Geimer, the sexual assault and him fleeing to Europe and nobody getting justice. Uh, I feel for Samantha. You know what, though? I'm glad that she... Moved on it with seems her like life. She's found peace. She got married. Time, she had kids. Yeah. She had a family. I hope she's killing it out there. Yeah. Is she still alive? Yes. Great. And she's a grandmother now too. Yes, girl, get it. And bye, Roman. Don't care. Don't care about you. Bye. Bye. Wow. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't have to research that one. Thank you for doing. I mean, that. that was on me. I was like, I'll do it. You're like, I'm gonna do Roman. I'm Polanski. gonna do it. And I was like. Okay, Okay. (laughs) go for it. You do that, Kevin. You go for it. You do what you need to. Yeah. Uh, You let us know what your your thoughts are in the comments. Yeah. Uh, I have some thoughts and some feelings. I have a lot of feelings right now in this chair. Uh, But you can uh, let us know yours on YouTube. It's been a while since we've done this. On Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Horrorwood Podcast. Or send us an email at horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. And while we're talking about the emails, um, don't forget to send us your yes, stories. stories. We're still collecting them. We're always collecting them. So write them in. Doesn't have to be Hollywood related. It's your time. It's about your experiences, whether it's a haunted thing or a true crime thing or whatever it is we want to know. So send those stories to us. And if you've been to France and had a bad experience, Kevin would love to know. (laughs) And DMs slide into my DMs. I don't know. (laughs) Is that still the phrase? I think so. Okay. And uh, if you are feeling super generous and you want to have bonus content, you can hop on over to Patreon at patreon.com slash horrorwoodpodcast. Yup. 
And in the meantime, have a wonderful, happy new year, beginning of the new year. Don't do murder. Do drink champagne. Every day. If you want. And um, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Miss Phelps.